This issue of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Cryptid Zoo at cryptidzoo.com. Cryptid Zoo is basically a t-shirt line that's uniquely and strangely infused with augmented reality, and it's inspired by cryptozoology folklore figures like the Bigfoot. All the shirts are designed and hand-screen printed on 100% cotton, pre-shrunk t-shirts by the artist and owner of Cryptid Zoo, our friend, Julian Meyer. You gotta see it. You hover your smartphone over the shirt and it does stuff on the screen. It's pretty crazy. It just comes to life. You gotta see it. So please check out cryptidzoo.com and also use the promotional code Sunspots Comics. That's right. And you'll get 30% off your purchase. Most of the Cryptid Zoo shirts are about 27 bucks. So it's a great deal. And that's with tax and shipping included before the discount. So don't forget, use Sunspots Comics as your promo code on cryptidzoo.com and you'll get a big discount and that is c-r-y-p-t-i-d-zoo.com hello hi everybody you are listening to the sunspots comics podcast issue number 129 covering the brand new comic books that just came out this last Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, October 18th. And this particular podcast, even if you make it angry, you will like it when it's angry. <laughs> Hulk smash! I am your comic book loving host, Chris Latori. Thank you so much for joining us here and choosing us to listen to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. I hope that you and all of your loved ones are doing very well. So, the Sunspots Comics Podcast, what is it? Well, here's the gist. Using a crap ton... <laughs> of years of comic book reading experience. I presented in my own uh, positively charged weird way. I recommend, review, and discuss my favorite picks of the best brand new comic books that just came out this week. So it's all about the new comic books. Never miss an issue of the Sunspots Comics podcast by doing something simple, hitting the subscribe button, and following us along on all the social media, all in one conveniently located place, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, and YouTube. All at Sunspots Comics. That's all you gotta do. Punch it in. Please spread the word and tell a nerdy loved one about our podcast. We would appreciate that. A couple of quick thank yous and another one of those musical announcements. Thank you to my friend Nick Papa George for making our super great Sunspots Comics theme song. Please check out his band Solution. He is the lead singer and guitarist. That's right, you can hear it right now. It's playing. Go to solutionmusic.net for links to their music and upcoming show dates. Uh, They're a Los Angeles band and play a lot all over California. Right now on this podcast, as I said, you're listening to song three of the nine. I'm going to do nine podcasts in a row where I premiere one song from their brand new album. This one's called Dance to the Sound. It's heavier. It's just rockier. It's got that edge. I love it. It's from their newest album called Palm Trees and Freeways. I highly recommend this band. If you love reggae, rock, ska, or just overall feel-good music in general, you're going to love Solution. I totally do. Please check them out at facebook.com slash solution reggae. Also, thank you to my son, the boy of my loins, Justin Jables Latori, for his work on our spinoff podcast. It's called Sunspots Scene. Episode 8 is available right now. It's my son Jables, his two friends Moises and Matt. They call themselves the Kung Pao 3 Delight. (laughs) Just love that name. It makes me chuckle every time I hear it. 
They talk about movies and TV shows of all genres, not just the comic books. Although it is pretty comic book heavy. Plus, they usually play a pretty funny game at the very end. And if you subscribe to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, you're already going to see it on the feed. There's nothing to do. It's also on SoundCloud. It's a fun time. Check it out. Have a chuckle or two. And follow them on Instagram at SunspotsScene. That's where you can find them. So let's get into the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 129. Starting out with some stuff. Oh. Floating around up in my nerd brain. The first nugget of nerd deeply lodged inside of me is the Netflix DreamWorks Voltron Season 4. Voltron. I just finished the six episodes. Yes, there's only six episodes in this particular season to wrap up the season, and it was a solid, I give it a four out of five sunspots. It's full of heart. It's family fun. It's space action. All that put together in some great 2D, well, slash 3D CGI cartooning. The Voltron team right now is embracing that their main sort of reluctant leader, Keith, is leaving the team to explore his ancestry. And he also is just sort of helping this stealthier group of freedom fighters than Voltron. They're very much in your face. We've got five robot lions. But this freedom fighter group that that he's going to join is part of his ancestry, so it means something personal to him. In this never-ending battle against the evil empire that is Galra, I highly recommend you binge watch all four of these short seasons. They're usually between six and ten episodes. They're 21 minutes each. And if you minus the intro and outro, you're talking 19 minutes of just totally fun Saturday morning-style cartoon that I've been absolutely loving since the original came out in 1984 when I was 12 years old. So go and get it. Netflix DreamWorks Voltron Season 4 is out. You can binge the whole thing. Binge it all. It's an easy breezy kind of viewing. It's just fantastic fun cartoon that you're going to love. It's just so much sci-fi action. Who doesn't love five robots that turn into a giant robot? (laughs) So check it out. Voltron on Netflix. And the next thing on my nerd brain is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's on the Nintendo Switch. As I said before, I just got it. And I was recommended to get this game. And I have been loving this game. I can tell that it's just going to be many, many hours. I've seen online that some people have logged over 200 plus hours of gameplay on this Zelda game on the Switch. So great bang for your bucks. It's got this open world, but sneakily kind of linear at times because there's there's you can just kind of wander around this lovingly detailed landscape for a while. But eventually this old man kind of pops up and says, hey. Don't forget, you got to be doing this or that. (laughs) And I love that. It just kind of keeps you on track because you could just kind of get lost and staring at trees and rocks and landscapes in this beautiful Zelda landscape. The environments have a ton of interactability and even certain environments can be helpful tools in defeating enemies. I love that. So it's not just all sort of just a picture to look at. You can interact with things in the environment. And it's also just fun mixing various foods and little furry creatures to make helpful concoctions. That's fun in itself. And there's only about 4,000 combinations. I had to look online to all the different Zelda combinations of these concoctions you can make. It's insane, these recipes. But I highly recommend Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's it's just so fantastic. It's expansive. Oh, plus they just came out with a $20 expansion pack recently called the Master Trials. So another reason to grab this, but if you have a Switch, you probably already know. It's been out for a few months, but the expansion just came out. I mean, it's a ton of hours. It's a ton of fun. Zelda, get it, if you have a Switch. Fantastic. So it's really been up in my brain. 
And, oh, uh, also in my nerd brain, uh, along with the Nintendo Switch news, I pre-ordered the highly anticipated Super Mario Odyssey. It comes out October 27th. What a weekend that's going to be. I mean, there's the free comic books on Halloween Comic Fest. That's Saturday, October 28th. And there is the Stan Lee's LA Comic Con, of course, from the October 27th to 29th. And then Super Mario Odyssey all comes out that weekend. Man, I wish there were like 55 hours in a day that weekend so that I could just get it all in me. It's just a lot. But very cool. I pre-ordered it. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to play it. Super Mario Odyssey on the Switch. So it's coming out very, very soon. It's just right around the corner. Can't wait. So the last thing on my nerd brain is that I'm actually creating my very own comic book called Zombie Destroyers. It's, it's truly a passion project of mine. It's all of my love and heart and soul laid into it. I'm doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering. My friend Jordan Hudson is doing his gorgeous art. Please, please, please check out his art on his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. And a super quick Zombie Destroyers update. Jordan and I are working on the end of issue number one. The pencils and inks are basically done through pages 26. We have three more pages to go. While I've been learning uh, the flattening process of the coloring. So that's where we are at Zombie Destroyers right now. There's a quick little update. And please take a look at some of the sample pages that we've posted of my comic book Zombie Destroyers to see what it looks like. Just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on Zombie Destroyers. You can see the cover pages, pages one through four, and a picture of Jordan's dad cosplaying at RCCC as Zombie Destroyer's character that I created, Bruce. It's totally crazy nuts. You have to see this. <laughs> so just go to sunspotscomics.com and click on Zombie Destroyers to see what my comic book looks like. So on to now my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day Wednesday, October 18th. So grab a pencil, write these down, go and grab these. And of course... Semi-spoiler-ish alert, but really have no fear, true believers. I work seriously hard to just inspire you to buy these comic books without spoiling them. I never discuss the last couple of pages, I just leave them alone, and I only cover some of the interesting points in each comic book, so, but just in case, super duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alert. Also, to see everything that I'm reading... All of my favorite picks, all the way back since I started this podcast in May of 2015. Just go to sunspotscomics.com. You can click on pull list. I'm reading 107 titles, so go and click on that to see what I'm reading. Also, click on the top comic books of the week, and you'll see them cataloged there to see every single top past top pick. All there cataloged. Easy for you to see. I update, simplify, compact Sunspots Comics every single week. I just want to make it a site that you can go in, kind of take a glance, see sort of the list that I've created, and then bounce out. And that's something you have to spend hours and hours and hours of your time on, because I don't think websites should be that way. So I'm super proud of it, so check it out, sunspotscomics.com every so often. And here we go now, the art team. I always like to pick the best of the best art of the week, by cover and by just art in general. This week's artist winner was one that has been an artist winner before, Joel Jones for Batman issue number 33. Find her on everything at Joel underscore Jones on all the social media. Follow her, especially if you love pugs, those ridiculous, <laughs> ugly and adorable animals that are pugs. She loves posting pictures of her, her black pugs. They're adorable. Uh, her lines are heavy, but super clean. It's just her, the strokes that she uses are top notch. I've seen her in person drawing these strokes and it's amazing. She can go just long distances by making one line make look beautiful and like a calligraphy. 
And no one in the biz does the eyes like Joelle jo Jones does. Uh, you have to see her work on just eyes because they're so realistic, so beautiful, hyper detailed. All the way from the iris to the pupil, everything. Her landscaping, I'd say maybe that's an underrated part of what she does because she doesn't maybe in a lot of her stuff get to do a lot of these landscapes. But in this Batman issue, the landscape that she's drawing are epic and sweeping and gorgeous. And I just, with the ability that she has to draw eyes, it seems to be just the the perfect centerpiece for all of the very hyper-realistic capturing of emotions that she does. And she has to draw almost all of them in this Batman uh, issue number 33. So she just has a range of emotions. It seems like she's mastered them all from sad and happy and frightened and concerned and for questions on their brain. All of it. She's just one of my favorite artists of all time and I hope that she stays on Batman forever and ever because she's amazing and um just just go look up joelle jones at joelle underscore jones you'll see what i'm talking about she's amazing and this week's cover artist winner is david rubin for his lovely work on sherlock Fra uh, frankenstein and the legion of evil issue number one follow him at david rubin m as in mary so he's on all social media at that He's quickly becoming one of my favorite artists. Uh, he had this wonderful work on the series Ether that I love, and he, from time to time, draws Black Hammer. He does fantasy so amazingly well. It's just, he has this unique, super detailed art style, really pairing with some of the most amazing coloring. He usually colors all of his art, and he blends colors together that you just really wouldn't think would work, like bright orange and dark flat green. <laughs> but somehow, it just, it just works. It's hard to explain. It's magical. His lines are very untraditional, and I mean that in the most amazing sense, in really just complimentary fashion. He uses this forced perspective so perfectly, where there'll just be a character's head lying there with just one eye kind of open, but he does it correctly to where you're never sort of confused as to what it is. He loves to play with the sort of where the camera is and the focusing of the camera. It's gorgeous. I love his art. It's truly inspiring. It just takes me away to these far-off worlds that I just want to live in. Well... For a while, anyway. <laughs> and the breakdown! There were actually 16 comics this week, and six of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list. That's right, six. That's pretty good. New number ones, I always like to tell you when the new number ones come out so you can grab these and jump on the bus that is new comics, and with that extra bit of hope to being there from the beginning of something amazing. So here's the new number ones. There was two, and actually both of them made the top picks this list of week this this week the list so that's fantastic both new number ones are there so we'll talk about i'll be talking about those in one second so let's get into my top comic book recommendations this is my great ones list of the new comic books that came out october 18th i really do consider these to be the best ones i read them a ton i look at them over and over again go buy these now so on to the countdown here we go coming in at number six from image comics descender issue number 25 most comics pack kind of an extra strong punch, an uppercut, if you will, when issue 25 comes out, and that delivered. that's delivered here. This is definitely the cover artist runner-up winner. It's a gorgeous cover art. Uh, all the art's from Dustin Wynn, and this is written by Jeff Lemire. The cover art is gorgeous. He has this watercoloring style, and it's our main character, Tim21, holding on to his robot dog as they sort of bow and touch foreheads, and it's beautiful. And he's surrounded by these asteroids with this spectral, multicolored space behind him. It's just gorgeous. It's like a, a, a beautiful scene from like an, an Asteroids video game is what it kind of reminds me of. Yet it's this nice portrait of Tim21 just bowing his head to his, his toy dog robot that he loves. 
Gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Check out Dustin Wynn's art. I love his art. One of my favorites. I've been just honored to meet him a few times. He's a super nice guy as well. But the core of Descender is this artificial intelligence struggle. How does how does humanity deal with that? And how does this other sort of robot manity deal with that? There is this, this underground uh, AI robots that have sort of become aware and are part of society. And they're all sort of struggling to deal with how these harvesters wiped out this coalition of planets and they all feel like the harvesters are coming back it's like they're they're they all know doomsday is going to arrive soon and all these different factions are are sort of struggling to deal with that in the best way that they can this is a great action issue they really double pack the action here there's a, an opening sequence where there was this evil you know robot named tim 22 that is attacking our group of friends that they that are including telsa who we've just grown to love she's the daughter of this military general and uh, is at odds with him constantly that's its own little little thread there and some great character development but tim 22 is trying to destroy them all and destroy tim 21 he's walking around with his head just sort of dangling by some it even is grotesque even though it's a robot it's just like these wires and appendages like kind of veins that's just barely holding Tim 22's head on. You have to Tim 22's head together. You have to see this visual. It's it's uh, gruesome, even though it's just wires. But they're red. It looks just kind of veiny and like it's barely hanging on. But action sequence there that's just fun and absolutely over the top and great paced. And then you have Tim 21 trying to escape, and it's very tense and put together really well. He's trying to get to this escape pod. Does he make it? You got to read it to know. And then you have our reluctant hero, I believe, who was. Tim 21's boyhood friend that accompanied him when they lived on this moon, when they were sort of harvesters of moon ore. And this young man, though, now, because of uh, his parents being killed by the harvesters, and uh, he's now sort of very anti-robot and wants to destroy Tim 21, we think? Who knows when they actually get together, but that's a great little thread there. It's like, they were best friends. It was this robotic sort of brother of his, but... His parents were killed by the harvester and they believe Tim 21 has some data or something in his his artificial intelligence that could very well reactivate the harvesters to wipe out planets in their system. So that's all the sci-fi drama that's going on that is Descender. So get it. There are a bunch of them in trade. You can catch up really quickly. It's not typically a seriously heavy dialogue kind of comic, so it's an easy one to go through. Sci-fi action fun. Oil painting, at times water painting type of, of art. Very minimalist backgrounds, very white, stark backgrounds. So everything just has this kind of Crayola colored kind of look to it. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely wonderful. Get Descender. It is fantastic. They really did an extra special job on issue 25. Thank you so much, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. Coming in at number five is from Marvel Comics. It is the title that is the longest, one of the longest titles ever. <laughs> and wins the longest title award of the week it's journey to star wars the last jedi star wars captain phasma yeah that whole thing <laughs> issue four of four from marvel comics this is from kelly thompson on writing and marco chichetto on art beautiful beautiful art gorgeous very clean very iconic star wars looking art and right from the get-go, there is this epic battle sequence. Loving, loving this epic battle sequence with Captain Phasma, her Stormtrooper sidekick, and their Force... Uh, 
I don't know, he just seems to be very... This dark robot, basically. It's a, it's kind of BB-8-style evil robot. It's probably the one that's in the movie. I, I think it's BB-9E is the name of it, but... I just love that Captain Phasma here got involved in this sort of local uh, battle between two races that are fighting on this on this planet as just kind of a distraction because ultimately she's after this 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 uh, person that activated the system prior to captain phasma <laughs> under interrogation and under forcibly f forced to do this uh to deactivate the the star killer planet that ended up killing all of the the uh the evil empire that was on the planet at the time on episode seven. So this takes place just after episode seven and Starkiller Planet was destroyed. And she is just trying to find, <laughs> quote unquote, find uh, this uh, Imperial agent that accessed the system before her to ultimately hide her being the one involved or responsible for the planet being destroyed. So she's trying to cover her tracks here. How is she going to handle that? Will she do the right thing? I was a little concerned that they would maybe nicen up her character here, Captain Phasma. No, they do not nicen up her character. And I love that they stayed true to just having this badass character on this hellbent mission to sort of free her name so that she can stay in the clear and good with the uh, the Empire, the whatever the forces, the bad guys in, in the next genre of Star Wars movies. But great stuff, great action sequence. They, she's a badass. It definitely puts uh, the, their thing down here to establish that. And will she find this person that accessed the system before her? Uh, with the planet, there is, they're in the middle of this tumultuous battle. Will they be able to live that? It's just action sequence. It's nonstop. Very little dialogue. I read this in about a minute and was like, wow. But I didn't feel like it was just way too short, like zero dialogue. There was enough here to chew on. But Journey to Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Captain Phasma 404. Read this miniseries. It's fantastic. At the end, it says, like, to be continued in The Last Jedi. See you in the theaters. Doesn't say that. That was just in my mind. But just a kind of a very nice little fill-in short little sequence here of what Captain Phasma does immediately after Episode 7. So check it out. Easily top pick. I'm sad that it's over, but glad that we got a little glimpse here into Captain Phasma's sort of origin and life and what happened to her after Episode 7. But coming in at number four, it's uh, one of the number ones that came out this week. It is from a Dark Horse Comics. It's Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil. This is written by Jeff Lemire, another Jeff Lemire, and art by David Rubin. Gorgeous, gorgeous. This is an art winner, uh, or an art runner-up, and a, a this is the cover art winner right here, David Rubin. It's gorgeous. These weird oranges and greens, and there's Dr. Frankenstein with sort of a steampunk gun in his hand, and a, he's standing on a robotic spider with just a pile of all these superheroes at his feet. It looks amazing with this stark kind of orange, burnt red, orangey, yellow background. Just gives it this weird, otherworldly, fantastic feel. And the smoke that's coming off of it and the sparks are sort of fire-esque. These little yellow globs of light that are all around it just give it this sort of sparky feel. It's it's otherworldly, it's fantastic. The easily cover winner of the week, that's why. And art winner, uh, art cover, or art runner-up also, David Rubin. But this is this interesting story that ties into Black Hammer. So if you're not reading Black Hammer, this will seem a little like, what is this? But it is tied to it. So you have to be, in my opinion, maybe not necessarily have to be, but it really deepens the experience and it ties in and it makes sense. I mean, when our main character, Lucy Weber, is walking around town, there's like Black Hammer signs on the wall and there's references to the 
all the Black Hammer characters in that comic that are trapped in this weird purgatory Midwestern town. But Lucy Weber's father was the Black Hammer. She, uh, or is, uh, maybe. And she's just hot on the trail. She's an investigative reporter. They disappeared 10 years ago, all the heroes into the purgatory that is Black Hammer. And she is just hell-bent on finding him and doesn't believe they're all dead. Although the world believes they're all dead. And so she's about to give up and she finds her father's lair. There's these... This individual that gives her a clue to it after there was this sort of ceremony honoring the heroes that have been gone and she finds her father's lair and that she puts she sort of puts together and cracks in the codes and getting into her father's system decides maybe the way to find her father and the other heroes is to go after all the villains that they fought and that are in prison and that are still out there so she has this concept of if i find them maybe i'll find my father and she's hot on the trail of one particular evil villain named Sherlock Frankenstein. And he's a slender, tall kind of character. Looks a little like the Scarecrow in Batman. And he wears these kind of crazy pink goggles. I love it. He loves the color pink to be splashed in all over the place. But So Lucy is, uh, she's, it's a little dream and dreary as to how she's sort of living her life. Uh, just taking the bus to these places, to insane asylums and <laughs> to prisons and so on. And trying to have conversations with some of these villains. I mean, there's even a nod to a lot of David Rubin's work in here, like right at the uh, at the at the bus window. There's like a reflection that says "Ether," coming like motion picture "Ether," which is a comic that he does. I love those little Easter eggs like that. So Rubin loves to kind of sprinkle them in every so often. And like I said, a lot of Black Hammer references sprinkled into this. But she's going to this ins this crazy, insane asylum to find one of the henchmen that worked for for Sherlock Frankenstein. And wow, what a visual this particular henchman was. He's sort of semi-giant, robotic, uh, strange, right out of like Hellboy is what it reminds me of with this this almost alien-like pink dome on the top of its head filled with sort of gelatinous fluid. But uh, it, it very much speaks in a robotic way and uh, has quite a little bit of a temper. And even the character that uh, is the, the prison warden and the warden's assistant are just interesting characters within themselves that I loved. I want to see more of them. So interesting little pink pe peeks into some unique characters here that I want to definitely see more of. This doesn't say if it's a miniseries or an ongoing or what it is. I imagine it's a miniseries. Like I said, a little go-between in Black Hammer. But yeah, what she's, she's finding here are some leads. She also is introduced to this other evil villain called Grim Jim. I love the look of him. He's just all teeth and pink eyes. I love, love the color pink sprinkled in every so often. But yeah, Grim Jim gives us uh, some hints into that maybe Black Hammer and the group are not dead. That's all I want to say. I don't want to spoil it. And a great cliffhanger at the very end. Um, you got to see this. And there's some loving flashbacks of the Black Hammer team, the Justice League of this world, if you will, fighting Sherlock Frankenstein, it's fun stuff. The Legion of Evil just sounds great. It's like Legion of Doom for uh, in the Justice League world, but gorgeous stuff. David Rubin, doesn't matter what David Rubin is doing, I'm buying it. His art is fantastic, but check this out. If you love Frankenstein-y monster stuff and Justice League versus, you know, the Legion of Doom, then this is for you, for sure. But get Black Hammer as well, that ties into this. But Sherlock Frankenstein, I'm it, I'm added it to the pull list, however many it may be, but this number one was phenomenal go and grab it but now here we go we're into the top three comics already so these are the three best so here we go coming in at number three was the second of the new number ones 
This is from Image Comics as well. This is Maestros, issue number one. This is from Steve Scross. He's doing the writing and art and beautiful color from Dave Stewart. This is some amazing, fantastical art. This is also another art runner-up and cover art runner-up. There was some great art this week. It was just really inspiring. But there is this... Man, this is a crazy comic. How do I even describe it? It's like... Um, it's like magical versions of Mark Millar's world, like throwing in kind of wanted and Pulp Fiction mixed with Lord of the Rings is the best way I can think of describing it. But there is a savagely brutal opening sequence here, which ultimately shows the the king of the Lord of the Rings realm is, is brutally murdered. And yeah, it's just, it's savage. You have to see this. It has just this this very intricate tons of little detail kind of frank quietly maybe even jeff darrow style of art look those guys up um it's just you got to get this kind of art on paper I, I highly you have to really whenever you zoom in a lot of times digitally it just gets all pixelated this is the kind that definitely gets all pixelated because it's so much fine little fine line teeny little lines type of detail everywhere but uh like i said this is this definitely has like pulp fiction feels and lord of the rings feels it's very effed up humor i'll say that it's just kind of oh dang that's messed up there is some gratuitous uh nude scene in here as well just a couple of panels but there's definitely a, a rated r lord of the rings meets meets yeah wanted is what it reminds me of in the mark millar older mark millar's work and there's a couple of two-page splashes here that you just have to stare at for a while there's this evil wizard that has like maggots and pus and and green liquid just sort of oozing out of him and he's wearing these little shorts or like a skirt if you will made of human faces <laughs> yes <laughs> so it is messed up it's ultimately about how this king of the lord of the realm has a bunch of children and the entire royalty line have been wiped out and now there's really only one left that is i would imagine that's maestros although i don't really mention his name to be that but anyway um, so the mother of this child, who is the last one remaining, is human. She, he, um, the, the king of the Lord of the Ring realm, came to Earth uh, in this very sort of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where Egon, Ego went and procreated himself across the galaxy. It's kind of some of that here. And so there's one heir to the throne left, and he's been living on Earth, doing a lot of sort of David Copperfield kind of magic. He, although he is half king of the lord of the realms and is imbued with magic and has that within him he's kind of lived more of a a human life and has become kind of a swindler a scoundrel if you will that that uh does parlor tricks and makes money on male enhanced magic tricks yeah that's the gratuitous moment i'm talking about pretty insane <laughs> but uh definitely some graphic over-the-top violent stuff here if if you like the world of magic twisted in a just a rated R kind of crazy way, effed up humor kind of way. This is for you. Maestros. Maestros? Maestros? However you say it. Go and grab it. It's from Image Comics. It's messed up fun stuff. I loved it. Great. I'm added to the pull list. I got to see where this goes. It doesn't say the number. Maybe it's ongoing. Who knows? But we have to see what happens to this magic realm now that it's in chaos. Who are these people that killed all of the royalty in this magical realm? And how will this reluctant son that's lived on Earth doing cheap parlor tricks and <laughs> magic to make a buck will handle this situation so great writing crazy fantastical art savage brutal 
crazy. Check out Maestros. And coming in at number two is from DC Comics. It's our art winner of the week with Joelle Jones. It is Batman issue 33. And man, the cover has Batman on a horse. It's gorgeous. He's and it's just iconic. And he's also kind of wearing the Batman versus Superman desert motif outfit that he was wearing. And he's kind of Batman is wearing that throughout this. But uh, it's this is amazing art. This is easily art winner of the week. There are these landscapes that I'm talking about that epic sweeping land landscapes as Batman and Catwoman are in the Middle East. And I love the dialogue between them. They're very much in love. They are, it's kind of sickly sapply in a way, but it's it's neat and kind of interesting to see Batman and Catwoman like this. They're just lovey-dovey. You know, it's a little little cringy at moments, but it, it works. And Joelle Jones drawing Catwoman is like nothing on this earth. You have to see it. Well, it's of this earth, but it's amazing. You got to see it. It's all in the eyes, like I said. But they are hot on the trail of finding this individual that... Uh, you're just, they're just piecing together a nice little mystery here. You don't exactly know why they're in the Middle East trying to find something out, but Batman is very hell-bent on getting this information. And they come up to this, they're, they're just in this desert landscape, traveling the desert. They lose a horse. What they do to the horse is pretty messed up. <laughs> um, but it's got to be done. And then you flash back to the entire Bat family here, all with Alfred. And they're just kind of talking about, Alfred sits them down and talks to, them, talks to them about that Batman and Catwoman are engaged. And that sequence in their reaction of Alfred's news is unforgettable. Like I said, Joelle Jones does intricate details of facial features so beautifully well. But their reaction to Batman being engaged is priceless. <laughs> you just have to see it. You gotta put your eyes on it. It's like done in a single page, uh, page splash format as well. But uh, when finally, when, when Batman and Catwoman get to the, the door of this Middle Eastern castle, there is a man that's been designated to stand there and, and, and keep guard, who is like this 12-foot man. And yeah, Catwoman and him go at it toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I wanted more of that fight, but they do it with showing less of it. But that's fine, I think, for time's sake. Because the core around this is the Bat family trying to deal with... Uh, Catwoman and Batman being engaged like how's that going to change things and they're having these great conversations and there's there's Damien there who actually kind of breaks down and cries that was like wow he showed some emotion here and he's really just been this one note character just always kind of huh, huh, kind of character that's Damien and a lot of people don't like him for that but they show just a very different side of him here and he's just he knows that what this means is that Damien's mother will have to be involved the League of Assassins mother who I thought was a goner in a previous arc, but oh well, she's back, who cares? It's comics, it's DC, their continuity is all over the place. But, <laughs> but his mother is still alive, and so there's going to be repercussions there, and how, how is she going to handle that? And man, what a great cliffhanger at the end as well, but I just love this little romp here, and this little sandy adventure between with Batman and, and Catwoman, and the whole Bat family in the aftermath of them understanding that, they're, that Batwoman... That the Catwoman and Batman are engaged. So just great in itself and facial features, gorgeous art. I mean, just the the library where they're all sitting has such attention to detail because Joel Jones did this art. It's just, just glorious. Uh, Tom King uh, did the writing, by the way. So great, great writing by Tom King. He really let Joel Jones just sort of breathe and take her time with a lot of these panels and really make them look unique. Uh, it, it seemed like it, take, it took forever. I know Joel Jones... Uh, can be an artist that 
that sometimes uh, has, of course, understandably so, uh, sort of long release dates. But I hope that there's a bunch of these in the can uh, because because it's bi-weekly, by the way. So, hoy. But, um, man, I'm loving Batman again. It's been getting better. It took a dip for a minute. It is back. Grab Batman issue 33. Joel Jones, Artist Winner of the Week. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. But here we go now. The number one. The one that beat them all. Yes, the top of the mountain. The creme de la creme. The numero uno. <laughs> the number one comic of the week this week is from Image Comics. It's Invincible. Issue number 141. And it's the final four. This is part nine of 12. Insane. The final four comics for Invincible ever. It's, it's done. The end of all things is upon us. And we're in the final four. Extra spoiler alert for this one. So if you haven't read this and you are reading Invincible, maybe just hang for a sec. I'll try my best to dance around something. But for the most part, something major happens here. So extra little spoiler alert. But bring out the tissue, folks. Yes. Nolan, the passing of an icon here. Uh, devastating moment. I uh, maybe was hoping that this wasn't going to happen, but it did. Uh, the core element of Invincible, I'm all over the place, because this one did affect me emotionally, because I love this comic so much, uh, is is the is really the, the element that in Invincible himself has always been in this tumultuously but tender relationship with his... With his father. Invincible Mark and his dad Nolan, Omni-Man. Um, their relationship, sadly, comes to an end here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like getting choked up. It's crazy. Uh, and they and really, Ryan Otley, who does the art here. Ryan Otley, thank you. He delivers it so well. He does some great facial features with the emotion of the sadness here. You gotta sell it. It's sadness in a comic book. Come on, it's a static page. It's not doing anything right, but... So he sells it with minimal fashion, minimal line work to really deliver the sad in it. And it works. It worked for me. I felt for it. I, f I, f I fell in there and was like, oh my goodness. I'm getting chills as I'm talking about it. Um, Nolan, father, gave Mark uh, this dying wish as well, which, which Mark is really hesitant to accept. It puts his sort of family in turmoil. I'm not going to say exactly what that dying wish was, but... It's, it's going to be hard for him to accept this dying wish from his father, but he really wants to. So there's this hesitation, and that, that's an interesting little thread there. We're going to probably see more in the, next, in the last four issues. Also, it's, it's, really, it's really kind of it's, it's intricate, and it's, it's awkward when Mark's young daughter, Tara, is involved. She's maybe you know three or four, and she sees things in such a strange way, like even when they're talking about... Uh, she goes, well, my grandpa, when his red things come out of him, uh, we we uh, can put our red things back together and be okay, right? Like, the way she's seeing the world, being around these insane and amazing heroes, is unique and twisted and awkward in its own way. But that's another, another part of that core element of Invincible, which is family, and Tara's really part of that, and... Yeah, you, you, she's adorable and cute and you hope she's good. And that's another just sort of how you're invested in the story that is Invincible. But the team's all heading to Earth. And man, Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, the writer of this, I'll, I'll call him now the king of cliffhangers. Because man, this is a doozy at the end of issue number 141 of Invincible. It, it My jaw just was like, ah. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Like I said, I try not to spoil everything. 
But man, Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, Mr. Walking Dead, you are the king of all cliffhangers. This was just wow. But only four issues left. Go back and read Invincible and Omnibus and collections and, and trade collections and so on. It's worth your time. Especially when you get to like volume three. One and two start out okay. It was, a, it was a good comic and it gets great. It just seems to have just gotten better as the years go along. Can't believe it's been like, I don't know, I want to say 12 years now that Invincible's been on the earth. Insane. But it's super, super good. One of my favorite superhero comics of all time, Invincible. Easily winner of the week right here. Number one with Invincible, issue number 141. So there you go. There it is. That's all of it. That's the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 129. Let me lock up the vault door. Yes. Those are my new comic book recommendations this week for New Comic Book Day, October 18th. Please, please, please do your due diligence. Go to a local comic book shop and buy these on paper immediately. Tell them that Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you. Do it. They'll look at you. Yeah, so what? (laughs) And if you have any questions uh, or you have a comment or you'd like a personal comic book recommendation, email me directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. Maybe there's a comic book out there that I'm missing that I really should be reading. Tell me what it is. Email me. And if I read your email on a future show, I will give you a shout out on a future podcast and send you a comic book thank you prize from me personally. Check out the blog that I do on blog.sunspotscomics.com. My latest one was on this BB-8 from Sphero and how I had some superior customer service experience. Check that out. Sign up for our email newsletter, sunspotscomics.com contact. And tune in next week for issue number 130 of the Sunspots Comics podcast. I'm going to be reading a list of, oh man, 25 comics next week for October 25th. I mean, what a crazy jam-packed week from, like I said, uh, Stan Lee's LA Comic-Con and the uh, the Nintendo Switch game coming out, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and the uh, Halloween Comic Fest where all the free comic books are coming out, and 25 comics. It's Yeah, it's bonkers. It's crazy. It's nuts. Uh, that's a big list. And also two new number ones, so I could potentially be reading 27 comics next week that are all coming out that I want to read and tell what the, and find the best ones and tell you what the best ones are. And here's just a quick sneak peek into some of the awesome comic books coming out next week for issue podcast issue 130 in no particular order. Amazing Spider-Man 790. Yes, back to the legacy numbering. I love it. Black Magic from Nicola Scott. I love her art. Witchcraft in its at its in it, at its best. Uh, Bloodshot Salvation, Jeff Lemire writing Bloodshot again for Valiant. Love that. Can't wait to see that. Daredevil issue 28. Daredevil, one of my favorite Marvel comics right now. Diablo House, number three. Man, I love that wacky horror kind of comic where there's this haunted house and anyone that even comes in contact with the Diablo House, horrible, evil things happen to them. It's a great kind of movie concept I hope they run with. Uh, There's a new Image Plus magazine coming out next week, so I'm going to be grabbing that for sure. Mindbender issue number five. From Scout Comics, I've been loving Mindbender. Mother Panic 12 is coming out. Saga, number 48, is coming out next week. End of a story arc. So I think the Western uh, motif of Saga is coming to an end, and it's been so good. She's been, our main character's been trying to get a very late term abortion. Crazy, that is Saga. Uh, So that's just a glimpse of some stuff that's coming out next week. So it's going to be a bananas week of new comics. Please subscribe, listen in, and tell a nerdy loved one to check out Sunspots Comics. If you missed any of the links that I mentioned, of course, I will put them in the show notes, so don't worry. They'll be in the podcast show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I mean it from the deepest parts of my heart. I hope I inspired you to buy some great new comic books, because there was a bunch here to buy. Please give a little back and help us here at the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Just go to iTunes, 
give us some kind words, and hit us with five stars on a review. I will read it on a future podcast like I did on the last podcast, and personally thank you by mailing you a little comic book-related fun prize. So hit us up if you can, give a little back with some positiveness on iTunes review. Also, as you're kind of hearing right now, I will leave you with track number three of nine from the band Solution, from their album Palm Trees and Freeways. My buddy Nick Papa George, who does our theme song, this one is called Dance With The Sounds. Probably my favorite song on the entire album now that I've been listening to this album a lot. This is a really good one right here, folks. Dance With The Sounds. So, so until next week, spend some time with the ones you love, especially if they're nerdy. And of course, be like water, my friends. See you next week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. If you've ever felt like you've got that something inside That is screaming loud to break out free and go fly Spread those wings and don't be scared to touch the sky It's a sacred kind of love to let yourself be alright On the dance floor What we can be When we meet on the dance floor Life isn't always a way of sunshine Oh, now it's time to let it ride Can't keep us down Gavilter? The Gavilta? <laughs> it's uh, a screen that's out in front of my mic covered by a sock. That's right. Sock. Spot. 
This is supposed to stop the s and ps, 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 to just mellow it out. How is it? Is it mellower? Whoa! Hello.